Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all of your rich blessings. One of those greatest blessings being your holy word. Lord, you are a God who speaks. Not merely a God who has spoken, but a God who speaks. Just as you spoke to the prophets and the apostles of old, Lord, you speak to us even still through your word that you spoke to them. Or through that, you speak to our hearts. You address our days, our struggles. And Lord, you bring life through your word. So Father, today as we open your word, and Lord, we begin to look at the life of Abraham, this great man of faith, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us. And Lord, today in this place, Lord, you would open hearts, transform lives, draw the lost to Christ. This I pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, if you do have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. Today we are starting a new series uh, on the life of Abraham. I do want to welcome all of you. We've got a lot of guests here today, and today is a, our Everyone Invite One emphasis, our little campaign to uh, boost attendance. And so we're glad to have you, so blessed to have you here with us today. And uh, our goal today was to, to uh, uh, break 200. I don't know. We, we've got a pretty good bunch here. Uh, you're invited back next week to find out if we broke 200. How about that? Come back next week and we'll see. Uh, but we are glad to have you and uh, glad to have you here on the Lord's Day. And always invite you to come and be a part of our services. Today we are looking at the journey of faith as we begin this study of the life of Abraham. If you found your place there, if you will stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Looking at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old. When he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, 
to the oak of Moriah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on his west and I on the, the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, there's a common mistake among men <clears throat> today, it seems, uh, throughout the ages, actually. Uh, one of the mistakes is that uh, God only calls upon those who are excellent. Those who are excellent. Those who have excellent character. Uh, those who are, are high and exalted. That's who God comes to. And so if you're lowly, you don't have much, uh, then maybe God won't show you favor and call upon you. Or perhaps uh, another misconception is that God only calls of those of great moral character. And if you're not in good moral character, well, then, then you've got to get right before you can actually come to God. Well, you see, dear friend, all of these are absolute phony ideas. Absolute misconceptions that some may have. Some think, oh, I've got to be so-and-so before I can come to the Lord. Some think, I've got to be this, I've got to be that. Or God won't love me. But I'm here to tell you today that God calls upon the most ordinary and the most sinful to come to faith. Today in a sermon in a sentence is this, God calls the ordinary and the sinful to obedient faith in His eternal promise. God calls the ordinary and the sinful to obedient faith in His eternal promise. You see, that's what we see here in the life of Abram, who will become Abraham in chapters further on in the book of Genesis. Abram was an ordinary man. There was nothing, nothing special about him. In fact, if you, if you turn back there in Genesis, there's no great line of people that Abram comes from. Uh, in fact, after you, you see the, the Noah and the ark, God comes and destroys the land because everything had gotten so wicked. And so Noah comes out of the ark, and he has three sons, and basically the Bible kind of gives you uh, an overlay of the descendants of those three sons. You have the story of Babel, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But, but then it just comes down to, and then was born Abram. Abram was just an ordinary guy. There was nothing special about him. He didn't come from a great long line of, of great people. In fact, if you go back in Genesis, you, you do see some great people that are, are, are pointed out. Enoch, who walked with God and was no more. God just kind of took him up. Methuselah. All of these men who, who walked with God, who, who communed with God, but not Abram. 
Abram was just an ordinary guy from an ordinary family. Nothing special at him whatsoever. Except God came knocking on his door. He was not of noble birth. He had no extraordinary life. In fact, we see that God didn't even call on him until he was in his 70s. He lived an entire life. And only at the age of somewhere around 70, it was 75 when he left Ur. So in his 70s, God calls. Nothing extraordinary about Abram at all. God calls on ordinary men and women. Not only was Abram an ordinary man, but we also see he was a sinful man. In fact, Abram was an idolater. It wasn't like he was a, a religious man. It wasn't like he was a worshiper of God. In fact, uh, Joshua tells us, Joshua chapter 24, verse 2 says, And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abram, Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. They served other gods. Abram served other gods. You see, Abram was from the city of Ur. Now, archaeologists have uncovered some things about Ur. They've, they've done some digs there in Ur where Abram was from. And they found out that in Ur, Ur was their main gods was the moon god. Uh, the moon god, his name was uh, Nanner. Does that sound like a moon god? Nanner. They served Nanner and his consort, uh, Ningal. So Nanner and Ningal, these are the gods that Abraham served. And they would take uh, uh, sacrifices and offerings up on these high towers and give them, make these sacrifices to this moon god and his cohort there. That's who Abram served. He was a sinful man, an idolater. I mean, you think about it. Now, how bad could you be? How much more worse can you be than an idolater, not even seeking after God, but worshiping and serving other false gods? That's who Abram was. He was an ordinary man and a sinful man. But you see, here's the beautiful thing, the beautiful truth that this passage tells us. God calls the ordinary and the sinful God calls the ordinary and the sinful. He doesn't just extend an invitation to the royal, the royals of the bunch. Those of, of most fame and fortune. But God reaches down to ordinary people in the place where they are. Whatever station of life they may be in. No matter how steeped in sin they may be, and he reaches out, he calls out to them. Seminary, I had a friend, I met a friend there named Chuck. Chuck was a, he was a character, <laughs> to say the least, he was a character. But Chuck was an ordinary guy. In fact, he was a high school dropout, absolutely uneducated. 
And he spent his whole life running away from God, chasing drugs and alcohol. So much to the point that along the way, Chuck was arrested and sent to the Arkansas Penitentiary for drug trafficking. But though he was an ordinary guy, drowning in sin, God called out to Chuck. And he rescued Chuck from his life of idolatry, his life of sin. He called him even into the gospel ministry. And when I met Chuck at seminary, he was there. He wasn't really technically getting a degree because he didn't have even a high school diploma. But he came to take classes to learn so he could be better prepared to take the gospel to the lost. And you know, there's something about Chuck. Chuck, because of the experiences that he had in his life, because of his drug addiction, because of all of those things that he had to suffer through, he could talk to people that I could never talk to. He could relate to folks on a, a level that I could never relate to. He could reach a demographic that would never probably even listen to me. God used him in a mighty way. This ordinary, plain guy, once addicted to drugs and alcohol, God called him out of a life of sin which would have led to death, and he called him to life. God calls the ordinary and the sinful. Not only does God call the ordinary and the sinful, but God calls the ordinary and the sinful for faith in the gospel. He calls for faith in the gospel. Notice what it says there in verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, no, this is not... Notice here, God didn't say, now Abram, here's what's going to happen 2,000 years from now, uh, from your line of people, from, from your seed, there's going to become one who is called the Savior, the Jesus, who will be born in Bethlehem to a virgin, and he will live a perfect life, and he will go to a cross, and he will die on the cross for the sins of his people, and he will be raised again. God didn't tell Abraham all of, that, all of those things. But what he does tell them is he gives them just a, the seed of the gospel. We call this progressive revelation. You see, God just gives a seed. He gives a taste. He says, through you, Abraham... Through you, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's beginning to reveal to Abram the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is calling him to, to believe, to have faith in his promise, in the good news, the gospel. 
I want to point out some things here. Notice what it says there in verse 2. So that I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. That be will be a blessing, that's an imperative, which means that uh, it's the voice of, of possibility, but it's a very strong possibility, even to the point that what God is saying here, Abram, you will be. You will be a blessing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not maybe you'll be a blessing. If you just keep on your right path, if you keep doing what I tell you to do, then maybe you'll be a blessing. God says, you will be. I'm going to bring it about. I'm going to make it happen. Abram, you plain, ordinary guy, you sinful guy, you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. And through you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we've got to think here a moment about the book of Genesis. Think about the context here. If you back up into verse, uh, chapter 11, at the beginning of chapter 11, you see the story of the Tower of Babel. After Noah and his sons came off of the ark, God told them, be fruitful and multiply and spread out. Right? Have dominion over all of the earth. Go out all over the earth. He told them to spread out, to, to, to settle across the land. But what did they do? When we get to the story of the Tower of Babel, instead of going, being fruitful and multiplying, going out in the earth, they settled together in Babel, in one city. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against His authority, and they settled together. And not only that, as they settled there in this one place, they got together and they said, hey, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build, build a tower all the way up to heaven. And we're going to reach up there to the heavens and we're going to storm the gates of heaven and we're going to dethrone God. That's what they thought. It says God came down and he looked on them like they were little ants. He says, what are they doing? And God cursed them. He cursed them for their sin by giving them all tongues where they could not understand one another, and he made them carry out his command and spread out because they could no longer understand one another. So you have the sin of man and the curse of man in chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, God says, Abram, Abram, because of sin... All the families of the earth are cursed. But in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's given Abram a picture of what is to come. Now we know on this side of the cross where that ends. Abram, through his line came David. And then after David, several hundred years later, came the one, the promised one. The one who would save 
Abraham, the one through whom all of the families of the earth is blessed, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, there's no other name in heaven or on earth whereby you must be saved. It's only through Jesus. It's only in Jesus. Jesus came and He took the penalty of our curse for our sin. He took it upon Himself and He died on the cross so that we may have everlasting life. And God calls each and every one of us, to trust in the gospel, have faith in the gospel. Just as he called Abram to trust in the gospel, the good news that God would bless instead of curse. And Abraham believed. Abraham believed. God calls you today here, friend. If you're here today, Consumed by the curse of God for your rebellion, God calls upon you today. Trust in the gospel. Trust in Jesus Christ. So God calls the ordinary and the sinful to faith in the gospel. But what is faith? What is faith? What does faith look like? We see it lived out here in the life of Abram. True faith is obedient faith. True faith is obedient faith. You see, it's more than just head knowledge. Some people have this, this idea that, that faith is just, all right, just believing in certain facts. Right? So if I believe Jesus is who he said he is, if I believe Jesus died on the cross for sins, then I'm good. It's just believing in certain facts. But Scripture tells us that faith, true faith, saving faith, is more than just believing in facts. In fact, James chapter 2, verse 19 tells us, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. In other words, even the demons, the devil and all of his demons, believe Jesus is who he says he is. They believe that fact. They, they have seen Jesus sitting on his throne in glory. They believe that Jesus is Christ and Lord of God's kingdom. But just believing in those facts do them no good. Because they haven't surrendered to the Lord of glory. You see, true faith, dear friend, is obedient faith notice what it says here of abram verse four the first three words so abram went the lord said go to a land that i will show you and i will make you a blessing and abram went as the lord told him you see he he put action with words he believed God he trusted God and he acted upon what God told him to do Abraham go go I'm gonna make you a blessing and Abraham went see it's so easy for us to say yeah I believe in Jesus 
but not ever make a difference in your life. There's a lot of people sitting in this church today who are probably longtime members of this church. And you can say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is, is the Lord of God's kingdom. But you never surrendered your life to Him. You can say, yeah, I believe that He is who He says He is. But you never surrendered your life to Him. You never truly believe in your heart that He is the Lord of all glory. You don't truly believe that He has the way of eternal life or you wouldn't be trying to find life in all the things of this world. You don't truly believe that He is the Lord of all joy or you wouldn't be looking for joy in all the things of this world. See, true faith is not just an acknowledgement of facts, but it is turning away from worldliness, turning away from striving after the world's joys and the world's pleasures and trying to find your salvation and all of the world things and turning to Jesus. Say, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I give my life to Him. See, that's saving faith. That's true faith. It's giving it all to Jesus. Dear friend, have you given it all to Jesus? Have you turned away from sin? Have you turned away from your striving away from God? And have you turned to Christ? You see, it says, Scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Dear friend, He can't be your Savior if He's not your Lord. You can be looking for all kinds of fire insurance. And you can come to the church and you can say, uh-huh, to some questions. And you can go be baptized and you can get your name on a roll. And you can look for all kinds of, of ways to get this fire insurance. But if Jesus is not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. True faith is obedient faith, turning away from the world and turning to Christ. Abraham believed God, and he went. True faith is obedient faith. Not only that, but notice that what, what did God ask of Abram? He said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You have to understand what this meant from, for Abram. He is, having, he is going to have to abandon his family, his, his father's house. Now, in that day, that was livelihood. You see, that's the way it worked. Your father, he, he spent his life building and amassing wealth and, and property and those kinds of things, and he passed it on to his children. And then they would take that, and they would go and build upon it. And so that meant survival for Abram to leave his father's house means he, he turns his back on the things, his future the things that he hopes will, will sustain him in life, he turns away from trusting in that and he turns to trust in the Lord. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 39, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Have you truly trusted in the Lord? Have you truly surrendered your life to Him in obedient faith? If not, turn to Him today. Turn to Him. Turn away from whatever it is, whatever it is that you're trusting in, whatever you're putting your hope in, whatever it is. Turn away. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Everything else is going to come to an end. Wealth is going to come to an end. Property will come to an end. All the things of this world will fade away. Never seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Have you? Everything fades away except Jesus Christ. He is eternal. Put your hope and your trust in Him. So true faith is obedient faith, but also, let me end with this, true faith leads to worship and witness. True faith leads to worship and witness. Notice there, picking up in, in the last part of verse 5 here, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moriah. At that, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of, of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on his west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. Notice there twice it says Abram stopped and he built an altar. Now what was an altar for? An altar served two purposes actually. Number one, the altar was a place of worship. It was a place where, where Abram would take and, and sacrifice things unto the Lord whether that be a, a lamb or a drink offering or, or whatever it may be. It doesn't tell us all of what he uh, offered up here. But it was a way of worship. It was, it was saying, God, you are worth it. You are worth it. You're worth me giving this for you. You're worth it. And he was proclaiming the worth of God by building this altar and spending time worshiping the Creator of the heavens and the earth, God Almighty. But not only was it a place of worship, but it was also a place of witness. You see, because when he left there, he left that altar standing. And that altar bore witness to the God whom Abraham served. And the people of the land, they looked, and this is an altar like we've not seen. As Abram's life continues on, 
As he sojourns in the land of Canaan, people will come to know, oh, Abraham serves Yahweh. That altar is to Yahweh. It served as a witness. You see, dear friend, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God's way of salvation. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it brings us to rejoice in the Lord. My goodness, when you turn away from the darkness and turn to the light, don't you have reason to rejoice? What reason to praise God other than eternal life in Christ? Once crushed by sin, once headed to eternal death, now God. God in His grace has given us life. Oh, what joy. It brings us to worship God Almighty. And it causes us to witness. I mean, think about it. We talk about those things that we love the most. We talk about those things we love the most. Husbands, think back when you first met your wife. How much joy she brought you. How excited you were. Now when you went around your friends and your family, did you say, who? No, I'm not seeing anyone. No. Or did you tell them, oh, I've got this great girl, but I love her and she's wonderful and she's great and I want you to meet her. I would bet it was the latter. Or you wouldn't be married to her today. You see, we talk about what we love most. We talk about what we rejoice in most. We talk about what we worship. What do you talk about? When you're with your buddies, what do you talk about? I'm not saying every conversation has to be about Jesus, but does he ever even come up? True faith leads to worship and witness. Are you talking about Jesus? So the question that we're left with today, will you respond? Will you respond? God calls on the ordinary and the sinful to obedient faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Surely today there are those here You've been running away from Jesus. You've been running towards death your whole life. You've been trusting in the things of this world. You've been trusting in a bank account. You've been trusting in drugs and alcohol. You've been trusting in in vain things of this world. Running away from God. But today, God calls you 
He's poking on your heart, calling you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Will you respond today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so undeserving of your love and your grace. If it were not for your love and your grace, we would forever be lost. We are happy in our sin. We are happy in our rebellion. But by your grace, Lord, you chose to save us. Lord, today, there are hearts in here who have been running. Let them run no longer. Let them see Jesus. Let them come to trust in Jesus, to worship Jesus, and witness about Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.